I'm Jock Wilson, and this is Football North. I am very excited about today's podcast because I get to sit down with a couple of CFL Hall of Fame broadcasters. Bob Irving, you know him, you love him, former voice of the Blue Bombers on CJOB for almost 50 years. Mark Steven, the longtime voice of the Calgary Stampeders. He's been calling Stampeder games for the last 26 years. He's been covering this league for 40 years. Gentlemen, thank you so much, Bob. I'll start with you. How's retirement going? Well, it's going great, Jock and Mark. I have to tell you, and I've been asked uh, by a lot of people, do you miss it? And I have to say that I don't. Now, I still stay very close to what's going on with the Blue Bombers, and I follow the league as closely as I ever did because, number one, I'm a fan. But uh, having each day to myself and not having to do the work anymore, as much as I enjoyed it, I'm quite happily retired. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, and, and we all should enjoy retirement. But, you know, I know you well enough, Bob. You, you'll never lose your passion for the Canadian Football League. No, I agree with that totally. I love the league, and I've said that, and I'm, I try to be as impartial as I can And when I did the games and talked about the league. But I grew up... Uh, in Regina, a staunch fan of the Canadian Football League, and that'll never change. Let's start with a little backstory. Um, you know, for, for those that don't know Mark Stephen, how did you become the voice of the Calgary Stampeders? Uh, tell us a, a little bit about your journey in the Canadian Football League. Well, first of all, uh, way back when on CFCN Radio, which is now defunct, uh, I don't know if I had anything to do with that or not, but anyway, uh, the station uh, had the rights. I did the sideline reporting for several years there. Then uh, when CHQR got the rights, I was uh, one of the co-hosts of the pre-game, post-game, and a halftime show, and then uh, an opening came up, and uh, I told them I wanted to do it, and uh, that's what happened as of 1996, and uh, done all but two games since then, and uh, here we are. How many games did you end up doing, Bob? Well, I never really tallied them up, Jock. It would be close to close to a thousand, I guess. Um, but uh, I don't know for sure. I just I never kept count. Uh, you know, if you do eighteen or twenty games a season for as long as I did it, you, you'd be getting pretty close to a thousand. So it'd be it'd be somewhere in that ballpark. But uh, I never really did keep track. And for those that don't know the Bob Irving backstory, uh, what got you involved in the Canadian Football League? Well, I got hired at CGOB in September of 1973 to be one of their full-time sports reporters. It was my first full-time sports reporting job, which is what I had aspired to when I got into the broadcast business. And in the next year, uh, CGOB had both the Winnipeg Jets and the WHA and the Blue Bomber broadcast rights. And Ken Nicholson did both, but there were conflicts that couldn't be resolved. And uh, they said to me one day, you're going to have to do the football because Ken was a hockey guy. That was his first love. Uh, you're going to have to do the football. And I said, bring it on. What a great break for a young kid. I was 24 at the time. What a great break and a chance to do play-by-play in the CFL. It was uh, it was the start of a what's been a wonderful run for me. Your career is not over, Mark. When you look back as, as your time as the voice of the Calgary Stampeders, what, what stands out? What, what are you most proud of with your accomplishments? 
Well, I guess the first of all, what stands out is uh, just the near unbroken record of success of being able to broadcast. I mean, nobody's had that. I can tell you that. Uh, you know, I guess uh, what I'm proudest of is just a continuing connection with fans and people that talk to you, fans that, you know, undoubtedly grew up as Stampeder fans like I did, and uh, just being able to meet them and talk to them and uh, reminisce with them. So, those kind of things are uh, really the things that uh, I take the most pride in, uh, you know, that uh, I hope I can reach the uh, uh, the hardcore fans, but also the, those that just are there to uh, kind of support the team on a casual basis. Hope you can uh, make a link between all of them, and I'd like to think I've done a pretty good job of that. I would say you have. Uh, Bob, if I ask you the same question, uh, when you look back at your career, uh, uh, what are you most proud of? Well, I guess uh, my longevity, for starters, although it, I retired at 71, and I know there's a lot of people in our business who worked well beyond that and who are still working well beyond that, uh, I, I suppose I'm most proudest of the fact that uh, I tried to be fair and objective all the time. You know, I, in my heart, and I know Mark would say the same thing, when the Bombers played, I always hoped they win, and I'm sure Mark feels the same way about the yeah. Stampeders, but if they didn't and played poorly then I would say that. I made no excuses for them. I tried to be honest with the audience, and I, I think that's the one sort of hallmark I would throw out there. There were never any excuses or apologies made if the Bombers got beat or if they stunk. I would say they stunk, but I wouldn't use that word. I would try to say it nicely, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I always, I always tried to be honest, let me put it that way. No, and I think that's important because you have to be objective as as a broadcaster, and yet you know there's that fine line, isn't it, Bob? When when you yeah. are when you are the voice of, of of an organization. Well, and you know, I had a, over the years, I've had a few people say to me that I should be more pro Blue Bomber, and I, I took that as a compliment because what they were saying to me is, you know, and a lot of fans and Mark, I know would echo this. A lot of the fans would prefer, in some ways, to have their play-by-play broadcasters be a little more pro the home team and uh, you know I think again when people say to you you got to be more pro blue bomber they're giving you a compliment because what you've done then is you've been you've been as unbiased as you can be. Mark did you want to weigh in on that? No, I guess uh, my pr- approach is always uh, very similar. I call it Stampeders first, but not Stampeders only. Uh, you know, they do have good players on Winnipeg. Uh, Hamilton makes some great plays too. Don't ever forget that. And, you know, their guys get paid. And, uh, you know, uh, those guys that uh, you want to take a shot at today may well be Stampeders next year. That's how the CFL works. So I guess that's my philosophy. Stampeders first, not Stampeders only. The white I would one. add, Jock, oh, sorry. if you let me, you know, when Bo Levi was at, Bo Levi Mitchell was at his best, I would raise about the way he played in a lot of the games against the Blue Bombers in Calgary. He used to dominate the Bombers for many years. And I'd hear from Bomber fans, oh, you must be in love with Bowley Levi Mitchell. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I just, I have, I have a great admiration for his skills and his talent. And I would say that on the broadcast, that, man, this guy is really a great quarterback. And, you know, a Bomber fan, a lot of Bomber fans don't like Bo Levi, as Mark and you both know. Uh, but, I, you know, I was never uh, afraid to extol the virtues of players from other teams. And why would I be? Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. They're, they're part of the show too, right? It's not just yeah. uh, one team doesn't possess the ball. One team isn't on defense. And uh, you got to acknowledge some of the greats uh, that have played for other teams.
You know, Mark, it's interesting here in Calgary, and, and I, I don't know Winnipeg's story quite as well, but, uh, you know, you, you've gone through the highs and the lows. You know, you've seen the SOS campaign here in Calgary. You have seen, you know, the, the F Troop, you know, Federick and Fateri, which was a complete disaster for the Calgary, uh, you know, Calgary uh, Stampeders. Uh, how did you as a broadcaster approach those years? Well, first of all, back to the Federick. Federick, I did take some uh, rather pointed, uh, noisy phone calls from uh, Michael Federick. I wasn't quite as enthusiastic about his prodigy son, so uh, <laughs> you know, I, I got a uh, you know an earful, and from Fred Federick as well. But too bad. I mean, I wasn't you know tra- trashing him day by day by day, but just pointing out his record was uh, a little less than uh, you know stellar, and uh, that didn't seem to go too well. So that would be it. Uh, the SOS campaign, you know, that was just a case where. Uh, you know, the city had to rally together. Nothing much anybody could do about it except hope that the people of Calgary responded, and they did. And the franchise has survived for a while, then it had to go into uh, Larry Rickman's hand, which is a whole different story. I still remember the front page of The Sun with uh, Richie Hall in tears Hall, yeah. during during that time. And now Richie Hall, of course, a great defensive coordinator with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, you've had to deal with situations like that before as a broadcaster, uh, Bob. Uh, you know, because uh, the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers always haven't been at the top of the mountain like they are right now. Uh, how did you deal with uh, with downtimes? Well, it's been a roller coaster ride, Jock, for sure. You know, there were some great times. Cal Murphy's era, 13 years. They made the playoffs every year, came up short in some great cups, so won a couple of others. And then there was a Jeff Reinbold era, you know, which was a really gloomy period here in a lot of ways. I don't know. I, you know, for me, it was just a matter of going about your business the way you do on a normal basis. It's a lot more fun when the team you're calling the games for is winning, as Mark can attest. Uh, and there's no controversy or issues surrounding it. But uh, there have been lots of those over the years here, and you just kind of soldier on. And again, you know, describe to the public what is happening. Uh, I know in those Reinbold years, or year and a half, or whatever it was, uh, Joe Poplowski was my color commentator. And, you know, halfway through every game, we could see the writing was on the wall again. <laughs> they were going to lose. And so you just, you know, you try to make the best of it and, and not get. The one thing I tried to do was not sort of get uh, mired in ridiculing or being overly negative about the team. You know, I, I just, you know, I tried to maintain a, a steady view of things and, hey, here we go again. They're, you know, they're struggling. This team isn't very good. But, you know, don't beat it to death, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you just sort of you just work your way through it. That's all you do. When you look back, and I'll ask both of you this question, when you look back, you know, over the time covering the league, there, there, there's obviously some highlights, uh, some things that really stand out. Uh, do you have any stories that you can share, you know, with our listeners of this podcast of, of, of maybe some, something behind the scenes that happened? Bob, you start. Well, boy, there's been a lot of them, Jock, and some of them uh, I really have to sit down and think hard. But I, right off the top of my head, I'd maybe go to the 84 Great Cup game. Uh, which was in Edmonton, the first ever game in Edmonton, on that super cold day, and the Bombers were hadn't won the Great Cup for 22 years. And early in that game, Tom Clements, their quarterback, got hurt, and John Huffnagel came in in relief and played great, by the way, uh, and kind of set the Bombers on their way to a one-sided win over Hamilton in that game. And we learned uh, later on that Tom Clements had played with a punctured lung. 
Cummins passes complete to Sean Keogh. And Keogh gets into Hamilton territory at about the 48-yard line, and that may be enough for the first down. Uh, you know, it was a story that I can't recall if I broke that story or not, but I certainly was front and center in, in reporting it. And so, you know, at the time, everybody thought everything was cool with Clements, but he had played that game under, you know, some duress, and it played brilliantly as the Bombers won that game. So there's all kinds of things sort of like that that I look back on now as kind of fond recollections, but situations and stories that occurred that at that time were were maybe not as big a deal as they are for me now when I, when I think back on those times. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Mark, how about yourself? Well, I guess, uh, like I said, Bob said, you, you show up every day and just uh, observe what you observe and report what you observe kind of thing. And, you know, you try to avoid the bandwagon. Uh, you know, it's easy to get on the bandwagon and have some player uh, deified almost or uh, get very critical and hostile towards a team or players. So you kind of just uh, try to avoid the bandwagon. Uh, you know, any uh, deep behind-the-scenes kind of stuff? I, I don't know if there was anything. I mean, uh, John Huffnagel's hiring was uh, not particularly well handled. It got out long before the team wanted it to get out. So that would be one thing that was uh, a little awkward. Uh, you know, just the fact that uh, some people wanted it out there and made sure it got into Anyway, it was just a convoluted process that was eventually resolved, but it created a little tension there. But uh, that'd be uh, about really one of the only times it was a little awkward. But uh, other than that, you just uh, see what you see and do what you do. You know, Mark, I remember uh, you and I, uh, you know, in 2018 when the Stampeders win the Cup. And, and you have to be careful because you, you, you're, you're part of the broadcast team. You're not part of the team, but you and I are both in the dressing room. And, and, and the players know you. The players respect you you know they they want to share that moment with you and you know we're there holding the cup drinking out of the cup all, all that other kind of stuff though you know th- th- those are fun things that that i remember obviously from that standpoint how about yourself bob because you know again you're 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 part of the team but you're but you're not on the team uh, how, how, do, how do, you, do you remember those types of situations well sure and the most recent jock would be 2019 when the bombers ended their 28 or 29 year great cup drought they have put the win back in Winnipeg, the Blue Bombers, 2019 Grey Cup champions. The game was in Calgary, you know, Hamilton was favored and they won that game and we didn't have the broadcast rights right. for that game, so I didn't do the play-by-play, but we did uh, pre- and post-game shows and I still remember watching the game in my hotel room on television and then getting set to go down into the lobby of the hotel and doing the post-game show. And on the post-game show, it was a just a wild celebration in terms of, we took a lot of phone calls. We encouraged fans to phone in, and it was nuts. And Doug Brown and I were, were doing the post-game show, and we were right in it with the fans. Like, you have to sort of try to convey the way the fans are feeling, and everybody was in a celebratory mood. Uh, and it was such an upbeat, positive show. I'll never forget it. And then after the show... Uh, Wade Miller had invited me, uh, and my two sons were in Calgary. They're big Bomber fans watching the game. He had invited the three of us to their to their party, their championship party. So we went to this party at a club in downtown Calgary. I don't remember which one, and it was nuts. And it was so <laughs> much fun because as much as I say I've spent my entire career trying to be fair and objective and unbiased, this was a wonderful moment for Blue Bomber, the Blue Bombers and their fans and I love being a part of it. You know, I drank from the cup. 
Uh, my kids were just on cloud nine, and I we stayed there till about four in the morning, which I don't normally do anymore. Cause I'm I don't do much partying now at this stage of my life, but that's a night I will never forget. I, I love those stories. Those stories are fantastic. And uh, Mark, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you have uh, you have a few of those yourself. Yes, there are some of those. Uh, the times I remember, though, is I remember uh, back in 1971 when the Stampeders won what was then just their second Grey Cup, going to the Corral when they had a welcome home uh, celebration for the team. <laughs> Ironically, although I didn't know it at the time, Greg Peterson was at it as well. But uh, anyway, uh, I said, oh, this is so cool. I wonder one day what it would be like to be up on that stage. Well, it turns out, you know, those civic celebrations, I've emceed several of them. So that's, that's really exciting. And I never forget that, mm. that, you know, downtown at City Hall. And uh, one time I didn't know who all was going to be there. And all of a sudden, I didn't know it was nationally televised on, as I saw five television cameras pop up all of a sudden it was on all the different networks nationally so that that was really exciting i said i'd like it'd be cool to do that one day and i did i do want to transition into you know the state of the canadian football league today but before i go there maybe maybe you know we we got young broadcasters that are downloading this podcast and you know you guys as i say both hall of fame broadcasters and, and both have huge longevity uh with your organizations uh, uh bob i'll start off with you uh, any advice for for young broadcasters because the business certainly has changed well it has yeah first of all you you know, when I started out in the late 60s, you didn't need any training to get hired in radio. Um, you know, you walked in off the street, you hoped someone would give you a job, and then away you went. Your, you know, your abilities took you and your, the breaks you got along the way took you wherever you were going to go. But now, you know, nobody will hire anybody in our business unless they've had some training of some kind. So that's the first thing you have to do. And then I've always told the young aspiring broadcasters, get your foot in the door, get a job somewhere, and then work your butt off, and your abilities will then take you uh, to wherever you're going to go. And that's really all you can do. So that would be my advice. Just get started. Get started. Work at it. Um, you know, be a hardworking, conscientious, good reporter, and then hope that somewhere along the road you get a break or somebody thinks you're pretty good at what you do, and, uh, you know, then you'll be able to have the kind of career that you hope to have. I think that's fantastic advice. And I know as a young broadcaster, when I got into the business in 82, same sort of thing. I, I was everywhere. I, I covered every little news conference and I made sure, you know, I, I got my name out there in the city of Calgary. Mark, uh, I, I'm sure you're in a similar situation. Yeah, I would say this too, that uh, for aspiring play-by-play broadcasters, this is really the golden age because of all of the availability to do games and put them on different outlets, whether it be YouTube, team feeds or whatever. So there's a lot of great opportunities by extension. That means there's a lot more competition as well. And I think Bob's right. Just uh, be consistent, work at it, uh, you know, uh, invest yourself in it and uh, see where it takes you. But there's uh, so much more opportunity now. I mean, it is like there's the radio station that you can go to to do uh, games and do things like that. There's a lot of opportunities. So see how it goes, but uh, take advantage of whatever it is. It may be something on a small uh, online uh, network. Well, if somebody's asking you, do it. Mm -hmm. 
So let's transition into the state of the Canadian Football League in 2020, uh, 2022, excuse me. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. I still get emails every single day, people trying to tell me the CFL is in trouble, this league is dying. I've, I've heard these stories for 40 freaking years, and, 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 I, and I don't believe it. However, you know, I, I get it. Attendance is dwindling. It's, it's not where it used to be. Uh, Bob, you start. Uh, w- w- what do you feel is the state of the Canadian Football Football League in 2022. Well, look, I've covered the Canadian Football League for 50 years, and it's perpetually in trouble. Like it's it's always in trouble. I say that somewhat facetiously. I don't think I'll ever live to see the day where it's not in trouble. Uh, but is it in trouble of dying? Of course not. Uh, you know, you couldn't kill it if you tried. And you talk about attendance issues. Well, attendance is up in BC. Uh, it's up here in Winnipeg. It's down in Alberta. But that'll change. And I know Calgary, maybe people in Calgary just, they become blasé because the team is in the playoffs and is successful every year. Edmonton's a different story, but they can resurrect what's happened in Edmonton. All they have to do is start winning again and, you know, a few other things, and the fans will come back there. At least I'm convinced they will. Saskatchewan, the fans will always be there. Winnipeg's on a great run right now. I mean, Hamilton is solid, attendance-wise. Ottawa, they had 18000 paid at their game, their last home game, you guys. And the last two years have been awful. They haven't won a home game, what, in their last 20 or 25, I forget the exact number of games, and still they, they get close to 20,000 people. Montreal, the fans are They had 20-some thousand at their last home game. So Toronto's another story. I won't even go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... I don't see the league being in trouble. Sure, we'd love to see more fans. We'd love to see bigger crowds. Uh, but that's always been the case in this league. We, every year we say, oh, man, they're not drawing there, and why don't they get more fans? It is what it is, okay? It's the Canadian Football League. It's in trouble. It'll always be in trouble. It'll always survive. I love that analogy. Mark, uh, how would you describe the state of the CFL in 2022? I think those are very fair comments. Uh, There always are soft spots in the league. You mentioned Edmonton and Ottawa. I think that's strictly a function of record. Just take a look at their records at home. That isn't uh, the most, you know... uh compelling reason to go to the stadium there so those are some of the things uh, you know certainly bc's uh, up but i've seen times when uh, you know they struggled to put people in the building and it wasn't all that long ago uh calgary i'm a little worried about uh, because i think the stadium has got into people's minds as a convenient excuse not to go and to an extent i certainly understand it but uh, you know every team has taken its uh, turn at the top or or near the bottom uh you know calgary was on the verge of uh, folding a long time ago and now it's a very very stable franchise. Every team's had its, uh, you know, precipice moment. So it doesn't bother me that there's uh, current issues. I get it. Toronto bothers me only in the sense I'm not sure where the owner's mind is. He seems more interested in the rock than he does anything else. But other than that, the other eight teams, uh, I, I, while there are trouble spots, I don't dispute that. I don't worry collectively. Okay. You mentioned the rock. So I'll ask the question, you know, how concerned should the Canadian football league be with these new leagues, like the USFL, like the XFL? Uh, Mark, you go first. Well, there's always been these leagues. I guess until I see one actually stick around, then I'll be a little more concerned. It's great to have all these investors with all these whiz-bang ideas about how they're going to, you know, uh, be the next great thing. They'll be close to the NFL. There's no track record of any of these things going anywhere. Yes, The Rock is a big name. I get it. Uh, I understand that he's got a higher profile than anybody, but they haven't played a game yet. They've announced coaching staffs. 
maybe there's issues. Maybe some players will uh, possibly uh, defer coming to the CFL or refuse to come here. But all I can say is don't forget, there are 10,000 or so players that come from various U.S. schools, hundreds from various Canadian schools. Somehow, some way, some great talents will come here because they can't all play in the NFL. They can't play in whatever league it pops up down south. Uh, there's still going to be some tremendous talents. Bob, did you want to weigh in on that? Sure. Well, I agree with everything Mark just said, and I, I've heard this over the years with these, you know, these new leagues that pop up. Oh, it's going to hurt the CFL. It'll be a talent drain. You know, there's there's thousands of football players, as Mark said, that come out of U.S. college every year, and they're talented, right? So if the CFL loses a few guys to the XFL or the USFL or whatever league there is. Will there be somebody else to replace them? You bet there will. Will we notice a drop-off in talent? No, we won't, because there won't be a significant drop-off in talent. Have you watched Dalton Schoen play this year for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? I mean, there are players out there who can't make it in the NFL or don't get the right break to get a spot in the NFL. They fall through the cracks, and yes, some of them will wind up in other leagues, but some of them will wind up here, and, and, it, and football will go on because there is an endless supply of good American players, and there's lots of Canadian players coming out every year. So I don't know, when I hear people grind their teeth over, oh, my God, there's a new league in the U.S., that's got to be horrible news for the CFL. Get over it. You know, we've yeah. seen this before, and it hasn't damaged the CFL in any significant way. I'm just going to say for all of its issues, and many of them are self-created, the CFL is the number two league in the world. Yeah, you know, It's not as big as the NFL, but nothing is. Heck, the NBA is smaller than the uh, NFL. The CFL, despite itself at times, has survived, has maybe not always thrived, but it has survived. So I don't worry about it. I don't worry about this alphabet soup set of leagues. Maybe they'll play. The reality is they likely won't. Yeah, Bob, I think you make an excellent point about Canadian talent. That's just getting better and better in this country, which is uh, which is fantastic. The other, and, and it seems like I'm I'm just uh, you know pointing out the negatives, but the other one I get from the fans all the time is, oh, our officiating is awful. It sucks. Um, hey, I, I've heard that in the NFL. I've heard it in the NHL. I, I've heard it in so many different leagues. Uh, uh, where, where do you where do you say is the state of the officiating now that you're on the outside looking in, Bob? Well, I'd like to see more players get involved in, you know, ex-players get involved in officiating, but most of them won't because they know how hard the job is. And, you know, they don't want to be subject to the abuse. Uh, sure, we get upset with the officiating in the CFL, but, you know, the officiating is a problem in every league in the world. People are never satisfied with the officiating. They don't think it's good enough. So I think that's just an ongoing discussion that will never end. I don't think the officiating in the CFL is any worse or any better than any other league in the world. My sense of that is there are several times a year when the Stampeders will uh, be punished because of a bad call. There are several times in a year when the Stampeders will benefit because the officials either didn't make a good spot or a receiver got away with a push-off or something like that. In the end, it balances out. Yeah, true enough. TSN has been very good for the Canadian Football League because obviously the uh, the, the the money, the rights to money is, is very important for the league. A lot of people think TSN has also been very bad for the Canadian Football League because, you know, it, it's only one market. We, you know, if we're talking about the NFL, you know, they're, they're everywhere. They're on every network. They're on, you know, streaming networks now and they, they get their product out. Would the Canadian Football League be better served if they just didn't have the one solo 
broadcast partner. Bob, you first. Yes, they would be. And I've been beating this drum for a while now. Uh, you know, the Grey Cup game, for example, is still only accessible by about 80 or 85 percent of the people who live in Canada because the other 15 or 20 don't get TSN. I think that's a crime. It's an absolute crime that the game isn't uh, available to all of the country. Uh, and there's no question. Sportsnet, if you watch Sportsnet, this drives me nuts because I'm such a fan of the CFL. They basically ignore it all mm-hmm. year long, mm-hmm. basically ignore it. And that hurts the league big time because Sportsnet has a lot of viewers on its on its you know evening and, and morning programs. It has as many viewers as TSN, and I think in some markets more. Uh, and the fact if they had some games, that wouldn't be the case. So... Yeah, I think TSN wrote to the rescue of the league a few years ago with the big money, the rights fee money. But the exclusivity, in my opinion, hurts the league. Uh, and you're right, Jock, you mentioned how the NFL is on everywhere, including Amazon now, for heaven's sake, mm-hmm. uh, because they understand that the more outlets you're on, the more promotion your product gets. And that pays off in many ways. So I don't see how anybody could argue that it wouldn't be better for the league to be on more than one TV outlet. It, it's one of my pet peeves before I let you weigh in, Mark. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, even your, your championship game is not on the main network in Canada. Like, that just, that, that blows my mind. It just, it's, it's so wrong. Whereas, you know, TSN, and I'm not here to slag TSN, but they, they basically will put NFL games on the main network, but they won't put the Canadian Football League on the, on the main network, and, and they're the rights partner. So it is, there is something wrong with... With that formula in my books. Mark, uh, you better weigh in. Well, you took one of my points away. Yeah, I went crazy. Uh, it was last year, maybe the year, a couple years ago anyway, when the Grey Cup was on only TSN, yet there was a Thanksgiving Day game on the main network preempting the local news at 6 o'clock because the Buffalo Bills were playing. <laughs> so that was that was the national game. Like, Really? So the Buffalo, I don't know. Anyway, that was Bell Media's decision. Yes, I think it would be uh, good to get to better out, uh, different outlets. You're right about the streaming world. I think they have to explore that. I'm really not sure how interested Sportsnet is because they view uh, the CFL as competition to their beloved Blue Jays when they go uh, and play on you know similar nights during the summer. Maybe they're interested. I don't know. Their history is certainly indifference towards the CFL. Maybe things will change. I don't know. But uh, there are streaming options available that to probably didn't even exist when TSN and the CFL got together even a few years ago. That's how rapidly things are changing. Mm-hmm. So many things we can talk about on this podcast, guys. I, I'm going to end it with, you know, since we have Bob Irving on the show, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the two-time champions, they're the team to beat. You know, I, I love the fact with the new CBA that you see a contract like we saw, you know, recently with Zach Caleros, you know, getting some guaranteed money in the final year of that contract. These these are all positive things, you know, for the Canadian Football League. I guess my question is, and and and, and I'll get your unbiased opinion, can anybody knock off the Bombers this year? Bob? (laughs) Well, sure. Uh, You know, we've all seen teams lose the Western final at home that looked like they were going to win it. And I probably the best example would be the 16 and two Edmonton Eskimos a few years ago when they were called that and they lost to Saskatchewan. So sure. And the team that I think would be most likely to beat the Bombers here in the West final November 13th would be the Calgary Stampeders. They played three times this year. All games have gone down to the wire. The Bombers won all three, but you know, I know Calgary would argue they could easily have won those three games. So that's the one team. I will say this though, this run that the Bombers have been on since October of 2019, when Zach Calaris took over, quarterback 
They've won 31 of their last 36 games, and that includes playoffs and Grey Cups. Uh, it's been just incredible, really, uh, you know, unparalleled, I think, in many ways in CFL history, certainly in Bomber history. And it's just been a, for Bomber fans, this has been an incredible ride. Uh, and they all think it's going to continue into a third straight Grey Cup victory. And here's the one thing that I know Mike O'Shea would probably lose sleep at night over is for all the great things that have happened this year again, if they don't win on November 13th in that West final, and then again the following week in the Grey Cup, it's all for naught, right? Yeah, and it is, true. it shouldn't be all for naught, but it will be in the minds of Bomber fans. But uh, these last couple of years have been really, really glorious for the Bombers and their fans. Uh, so true. Mark, your thoughts? Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are certainly the favorite to win it, and, uh, you know, it'd be a remarkable feat to see a three-peat. It's almost never happened outside of, uh, you know, the Argos just after World War II in the uh, uh, Edmonton uh, situation in the late 70s and early 80s. I will just uh, put a cautionary note, though. It is extremely hard to play at that elite level for that length of time. Congratulations to the Blue Bombers, but certainly one thing I do here is, yeah, Stamps should have won more Grey Cups. How come and all that? Because it's a one-game showdown because yep. it is so hard to stay at that elite level. Uh, Winnipeg's done it. Congratulations. Again, I stress they are the favorites, but let's not lose sight of the fact that uh, to do that every game year on end is a remarkable feat. There's a reason why it hasn't happened. Okay, I lied. One final question. One final question, and that is, you know, we're, we're all in the older demographic. I, I, I won't talk about our age, but uh, in our lifetime, gentlemen, are we going to see a 10th franchise in the Canadian Football League? Mark, you start. Yes, I thought it would be done by now, but yes, we will. <laughs> okay, I like that. Bob, what do you think? Well, Mark's younger than I am. I'm 72 <laughs> now, and I don't think in my lifetime we will. I hate to say that, guys, because, you know – there should be a team in the Maritimes, and the only reason there isn't is because they don't have a stadium. Right. Now, who's going to build the stadium for them? Where's the money going to come from? That's what concerns me the most. Uh, until they get a stadium there, there won't be a team. I hope there is, but I'm not convinced there will be in my lifetime. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy your time. Uh, Bob, uh, continue to enjoy retirement, but I, I know you're going to continue to enjoy the Canadian Football League. Thank you, uh, Jock and Mark. I enjoyed it totally, and I will enjoy retirement, and I'll always be a fan and a supporter of the great old Canadian Football League. And Mark, uh, continue a great run on 770 CHQR. Yep, look forward to, uh, we're guaranteed uh, a few more games during this season. Uh, how many? I guess that's still to be determined, and that's what makes it so fun. All right, that does it for another edition of Football North. Thank you so much for downloading the episode today. Love to hear your feedback. Maybe you have a topic, uh, a topic idea for the show. You can always hit me up, jock at am770chqr.com.